Okay, uh, if you would turn to Mark 11, we're going to continue with what we've been talking about. The significance of what you say, part three. The significance of what you say, part three. And for uh, those who haven't been with us before, we're also we want to acknowledge um, Aileen's daughter, Lizzie. We we welcome her today. We're we're so thrilled that she came along with Aileen today. She uh, teaches English in France. So uh, praise God. We're so glad to have you today, and that we just believe you're going to receive a real blessing for being here. Amen. Putting the Word of God first place. Hallelujah. And all all the rest of your time here this weekend is will be really blessed. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. So we're still missing Rosemary. I'm in touch with her, but. Uh, She's recovering from a respiratory virus, so she says she's just not quite ready to come back. She's much better, but I'm in touch with her, and we've been praying for her. So she's, she's recovering. Praise God. So we're in Mark 11. Those of you that uh, have not have missed the past two, or you need to go back and listen to the past two parts of this, um, you can uh, go on the website barbwit.org and both of the two previous sessions of all of our other meetings are on the website there on the podcast page and you can catch up with us. Uh, Mark 11, 22 And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. We will do a, a very quick review of the last two sessions just to refresh your thinking on what we've talked about. In this verse, Jesus said, Saying is required to having faith in God. In verse 23, he's not talking about praying, he's talking about saying. In verse 24, he talks about praying. But in verse 23, he's talking about what you say. And Jesus said, you can say something, you can believe what you're saying is coming to pass, and it will happen in your life. And in these two verses, Jesus said there are only two conditions to receive whatever you say. Believe and speak. Believing and speaking are the only two conditions to receive whatever you say. You have to believe in your heart that what you say is coming to pass, and then you have to say what you believe in order for what you believe to come to pass. So it's believing and speaking. 
We won't turn there, but 2 Corinthians 4.13, you can write that one down. Uh, I'll quickly read it, but you don't have to turn there. It says, We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. So Jesus not only talked about believing and speaking, Paul talks about believing and speaking in 2 Corinthians 4.13. Believing and speaking. That's how you got born again. That's how you get healed. That's how you get filled with the Spirit. That's how you get prosperous. We not only have to believe God's Word, we also have to believe our words. And we have to believe that what we say is coming to pass. Now, it's obvious that most Christians do not believe this by the way they talk. People who don't understand this principle, they're, they're quick to make fun of us because they don't understand the value and the significance of their words. This is a Bible principle it's a spiritual law established by God. And we either put it to work for us or we put it to work against us. We need a fresh revelation of the role that words play in our lives and in the plan of God for our lives. So once you pray, according to Mark eleven twenty four. Once you pray and you ask, uh, you pray a prayer petition, you ask the Lord for something specifically, and you believe that you receive it, then everything you say after that needs to be in agreement with what you prayed. <clears throat> you can't just pray, I believe I receive, and then the next day, oh, I don't know what's going on, I don't know what's happening, I wonder why this is so, you know, so, you need to keep all your words in agreement with what you've prayed. Words are not just for communication. The primary purpose for words are for creation. We are to take our words and God's word and create a life of health and blessing and victory and success right here on the earth. We talked about faith is not feelings. Faith is not feelings. Faith is not Christian, Muslim, Buddhist. Faith is not Baptist, Methodist, Catholic. Faith is when you decide to take God at his word and no other evidence. Faith is when you t decide to take God at his word with no other evidence. We talked about one of the primary ways to be a doer of the word is to speak God's word consistently over your life. We talked about uh, James chapter 3. He said your words are connected with what happens to your body. The Living Bible says, If anyone can control his tongue, it proves that he has perfect control over himself in every other way. And Satan works to deceive people 
so that they cannot connect the dots between what they say and what they have. He blinds people to the connection between what they say and what they have. We talked about the importance of being selective with your words and not having a loose mouth. You can't just talk junk and things that you don't mean constantly and then turn around and try to say something in faith. It's not going to happen because your heart doesn't believe it. Your heart, your heart, no, your heart is accustomed to not, uh, that your heart is accustomed to you saying things that you don't mean. So you can't turn around and try to say something in faith because your heart doesn't believe it. So let's say this together. I believe in the words of Jesus. I believe in Mark 11, 23. Amen. So only say what you want to come to pass. You are training your spirit to believe that you mean every word that you say. We looked in James chapter 3 where he compared your mouth to the rudder on a ship. That little tiny rudder on a ship can steer a huge, huge ship in any direction. It can turn that huge uh, cruise liner in any direction, just a tiny little rudder. And James says your mouth is the same way. It can turn your life in any direction you want it to go. If he was writing this today, he, would, he probably wouldn't use the rudder on a ship. He'd probably say the steering wheel on your car. Because we travel a lot more by car today than we do ship. He just used ship because that was a common means of transportation. But he said your mouth is like the steering wheel on the car. You turn it wherever you want to go. And there are Christians who keep saying I'm sick and they wonder why they never get healed. They say, I'm this, I'm that, I don't have this, I don't have that, and they wonder why they keep getting the same outcome. So if our circumstances are not going the direction we want them to go, what do we do? Turn the wheel. Amen? We can all slip up. And we should be listening to what we say and recognize it when we slipped up, slip up. And when we do, correct it immediately. Say, no, I didn't really mean that. I take those words back. I render them powerless, helpless, ineffective to come to pass. I command those words to fall to the ground and die instantly. I'm getting stronger. I'm getting better. I'm coming out. I always have favor. I'm never defeated. Amen? And when you catch yourself... Uh, correcting yourself, when you catch yourself saying something you didn't really mean and you correct yourself, you are making spiritual progress. You're growing spiritually, so be encouraged. Amen? So like God, we have the ability to create and we have the ability to destroy with our words. And we talked about how some things need to be destroyed. Cancer needs to be destroyed. Tumors need to be destroyed. Debts need to be destroyed. Amen? And, and faith-filled words can destroy them. Speaking faith-filled words can destroy them. So even if you don't believe it yet, 
Just keep saying it. Just keep saying it till faith comes. And you'll come to the place where you believe it. And it's going to happen. Amen? So get hold of your mouth and start the process of turning your life around. Let's say this again. Things go well for me. I have great favor. People just look at me. And they like me. And they want to do things for me. And they don't even know why. Amen. Praise God. So what if you said this all the time and didn't doubt it, but believed what you said would come to pass? What did Jesus say would happen? You would have it. It would happen. Amen. We talked about watching for phrases like, I always and I never. Watch for those phrases. Watch for whatever words you put on behind those phrases. You don't want to say, I always get the flu this time of year. You don't want to say that. You, you, you say, I always triumph. I always win. I will never have the flu again. I will never run out of money. Amen? I will never be defeated. Hallelujah. Watch out for phrases like, my allergies, my arthritis, my high blood pressure. Uh, you know, people say, well, this just runs in our family. Well, you can be the one to stop it from running in your family anymore. Amen? You can be the last generation. You say, no, this is the last generation. It's not coming in this generation. Amen? Because you can stop it. Watch out for I can't. I can't do this. I can't eat this. I can't wear perfume or whatever. People are saying it. They're believing it, and they're having it. Be selective in your words. Begin to change your immune system, your joints, your blood pressure. Your body can change. Amen. You've been redeemed from arthritis. You've been redeemed from allergies, high blood pressure. And when you speak these things, you are making a demand on what Jesus has already provided for us. And that's why we just took of communion, the blood and body of Jesus, to remind ourselves what he's done for us. And when we declare these things, we're making a demand on what Jesus has already done for us. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. James goes on in chapter 3. He, he says that your tongue can set into motion a lot of destructive things. And he uses the example of how a, a little tiny match can burn a whole forest down. And a few little words here and there can set your whole life in a destructive course and you won't even know how it happened. You won't even remember. Uh, you, you won't know it was those words you said five years ago that set this whole thing into motion. But with the same principle, with faith, with your words, and with God's word, you can set your life in a whole pathway of blessing and healing. Amen. Hallelujah. You can rein in your tongue and you can control your tongue and use it as a force of blessing in your life. That's really what we want to major on. We don't want to major on the kind of the destructive part of it. According to the Bible, we can control our life with our mouth. 
Now, let's turn to Proverbs. We were in Proverbs when we finished last time. And we said that Proverbs is a book uh, of wisdom. It's writings of wisdom. And that's why it has a whole lot to say about your words and your mouth. Because uh, wisdom has to do with the future. And uh, wisdom considers the effect of our words and actions today on our tomorrow. That's a wise person. They consider the, their actions, uh, their actions and their words they take today and the impact and effect they're going to have on their tomorrow. And that's why the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about your words and the significance of your words and what you say. We saw in Proverbs, you can talk your way into good health. We saw that you can also talk your way into destruction. But your deliverance is in your mouth. A person who understands the significance of their words, according to Proverbs, is called a wise person. And a person who does not regard their words as important and significant is called a fool. Proverbs has a lot to say about what wise people say and do and what foolish people say and do. And over and over in Proverbs, the person who is selective in their words and uh, consider what they say as significant is wise. The foolish person does not have any control over their words. They just say whatever flashes across their mind. Uh, and they don't give any consideration to what they say is being significant, is called a fool. Now, in the King James Version of uh, Proverbs, there are 78 references to a fool, just in the book of Proverbs, and there are 66 references to a wise person. Now, let's uh, go to Proverbs 16. Proverbs 16, 21. The wise in heart shall be called prudent, and the sweetness of the lips increaseth learning. <laughs> According to this verse, when you are unnecessarily hard and harsh, it decreases learning. We probably all remember some... Uh, gripey school teacher we had and we couldn't wait to get out of there, could we? <laughs> it doesn't exactly increase learning, does it? Amen. God's Word translation says the person who is truly wise is called understanding and speaking sweetly helps others learn. The Good News translation says a wise, mature person is known for his understanding. The more pleasant his words, the more persuasive he is. Uh, if you've ever had a boss that's hard and rough, 
demanding, ordering people around, you know, griping and complaining all the time. It decreases productivity and learning. And probably the morale is not very good around there, is it? We've all probably had one of those. Verse 24, pleasant words are as an honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Words are health to the bones. The contemporary English version says, kind words are like honey. They cheer you up and make you feel strong. Sometimes it's not just what you say, but just the tone of your voice, how you say it, that can make the difference. Uh, there may not be anything wrong with what you said, but just the tone of your voice, and maybe when you said it, was it the right time? You know, if, if your husband or wife just loves football, and they can't wait for the FA Cup, and here the FA Cup comes, and they got all the TV set up, and they got all their drinks and food out, and the FA Cup comes on, and you, you know, they're there watching it, and you walk in the living room, and you walk over in front of the TV and say, let's go to Guilford and look at some new furniture today. That's probably not the right timing, is it? <laughs> So, what is not just what you say, it's when you say it that also uh, makes a difference as to whether or not the response is going to be favorable or not. Amen? So, the New Century Version says, Kind words are like honey, sweet to the taste and good for your health. Everybody say, be nice. Be nice. Now, some people might say, well, I'm just an intense person. That's just my personality. Well, most of the time, it's just impatience and the flesh. It's not just your intense personality. Kind words are like honey. They cheer you up and make you feel strong. Turn over the page to chapter 17, verse 27. He that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. I paraphrase that. I just say, even fools are thought to be wise when they keep their mouth shut. That's just my that's just my paraphrase of it. New Living Testament, a truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even tempered. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent, with their mouth shut, they seem intelligent. Um Proverbs, we won't turn there, but you can write Proverbs 29.11. That's a related verse along this line. It says, a fool utters all his mind. He just says, everything that flashes across their mind. The message paraphrase says, a fool lets it all hang out. A sage quietly mulls it over. So when you believe in the power of your words, you are selective 
and you think about what you're going to say and its impact and effect. Uh, chapter 18, verse 2. A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. Now that's not, King James Version is not too plain there. The uh, NIV says, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. The New Century Version says, Fools do not want to understand anything. They only want to tell others what they think. Have you ever uh, talked to someone and you could tell they weren't really listening to what you're saying? They may be looking at you. They may be nodding. But uh, they're just waiting for you, for you to finish talking so they can tell you what they think. They have no desire for understanding or increasing learning. They just want to tell other people their opinions. The uh, contemporary English version says, Fools have no desire to learn. They would, rather, they would much rather give their own opinion. So they have no desire in, in understanding and learning. They just want to tell you what they think. So, uh, let's just make sure we're not the one doing this to other people. Amen? Proverbs 18, verse 20. A man's belly shall be satisfied with the fruit of his mouth, and with the increase of his lips shall he be filled. Let's say this out loud. According to the Bible... According to the Bible, you can talk your way, you can talk your way into, increase. into increase. Amen. Verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Is this an exaggeration? Or is this the truth? Is the Bible just exaggerating when it says death and life are in the power of the tongue? Now some people, you know, not anybody in this room really, but there are some people that would say, well, I don't know, I don't think it really makes any difference what I say. The Bible says it makes life and death difference what you say. It makes life and death difference what you say. The Good News Translation says, What you say can preserve life or destroy it. So you must accept the consequences of your words. The Living Bible says, Those who love to talk will suffer the consequences. Men have died for saying the wrong thing. Is that true? Yeah? Men have died for saying the wrong thing. It's obvious most Christians do not believe this because of the way they talk. The more I study this, the more I'm convinced that if this is not the main reason, it's one of the top reasons why bad things happen to good people. 
You see, you know, I've seen secular books in the bookstores. Why bad things happen to good people? You don't need to go buy a secular book. All you gotta do is read the Bible and find out why bad things happen to good people. And, um, you know, they, like I said, the devil keeps people blinded, and especially if there's no obvious explanation. You know, if there's no obvious explanation, I'd say right here is a good place to start. You probably wouldn't have to go too far to, to examine what they've been saying, how long they've been saying it, and so forth. They said it, they believed it, and it came to pass. Just like Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, 23, it's a law. Uh -oh. yeah. Hallelujah. I heard, um, you know, Brother Hagen has this healing school, and, you know, they have lots of people come there uh, over the years for healing and all, and they said they had one lady that came there. She'd had symptoms in her body for a while and she'd been to this doctor and they couldn't find anything wrong with her. She'd been to this doctor that couldn't find anything wrong with her. She'd been to another doctor. They, all the tests came back negative. Couldn't find anything wrong with her. And she still had these symptoms and she came to healing school and she was explaining this. I've been to this doctor. They can't find anything wrong with me. But she said, I know I have cancer. Now, then they would cringe every time she said that, you know, obviously. And uh, this, this lady, her feelings were supreme in her life. Even though she had been to doctor after doctor after doctor who had told her, all your tests are negative, we can't find anything wrong with you. In her mind, these symptoms, how she felt, she says, you're, you're just like those doctors. You know, you're just hard, you're just so legalistic about this confession. You're just like those doctors. Her feelings, what she felt was supreme in her life. It was supreme over even what the doctors said. It was supreme over what God's word said. I mean, there was no use praying for that lady. You know what I mean? She's convinced. And, and, and the Bible, you know, there's the spiritual laws they explained to her there's spiritual laws here. You keep digging for it, you're going to find it. And that, and that scripture that says, what I so greatly feared has come upon me. In Job, what you greatly fear and you keep digging and looking for it, it's going to come on you. So, if you have symptoms and you've been to the doctor and they can't find anything wrong with you, rejoice. Say, praise God, amen, I'm clear, I'm clean, I'm healed, and these symptoms are just going to have to leave my body. Amen? amen? Hallelujah. So when the devil says, you know, you got these symptoms, and he says, your daddy had it, his daddy had it, his daddy had it, and you're going to get it, you don't just sit there and think about it. And you don't just sit there and meditate on it, and, and, you know, think, well, you know, I don't know, maybe so. No, you stand up and you say, no, I will never have it. I will never have it. Amen? Praise God. You stand up and you resist that thing with your words. That's the primary way we resist the devil is by our words, by speaking the word of God, saying what God says, 
Speak into those symptoms. You just say, these symptoms will have to change. Amen? God said it. I believe it. It's going to be this way and no other way. Amen? That's what you got to do. Jesus said, if you say it and believe what you say comes to pass, it cannot live in your body. Now, let's turn. I think we've, we've looked at uh, quite a few scriptures there in Proverbs for you to begin to get the uh, significance of your words in your life. Let's turn back a couple of books there to Job. It's right before Psalms. Job 22. Job 22, verse 28. We're going to look at a major faith principle here. Uh, a major principle involved in making a declaration of faith. Verse 28. Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee. And the light shall shine upon thy ways. That sounds a lot like Mark eleven twenty three, 23, doesn't it? <laughs> thou shalt decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee. The voice translation says, You will pronounce something to be, and he will make it so. You will pronounce something to be, and he will make it so. Now, like I said earlier, in order to walk by faith, to live by faith, and not by sight, it's absolutely mandatory that you believe every word of this book. And you make it final authority over everything else you see, everything else you hear, and everything else that you feel. This is a prerequisite to walking by faith and not by sight. You must be fully persuaded that God's word is the revealed will of God for you personally. And a true faith confession comes from a heart that is fully convinced of the integrity of God's word uh, it's unquestionable. The Word of God cannot fail. It never changes. And God cannot lie. You're, you need to have your heart established uh, on this foundation. You know, Psalm 112 talks about the established heart. The person who has an established heart. What does it say about him? He will have no fear of evil tidings. He will have no fear of bad things or bad news. Amen? It says his heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. Hallelujah. And this is where we need to get our hearts established and our faith established. Bible faith knows in advance what God is going to do. Bible faith does not wait and see. Well, we sure hope so. Well, maybe so. No, Bible faith knows in advance what God will do because of what he has already said in his word. That's how we know. 
So when people say, well, how do you know? How do, how do you know this is going to happen? It's based on what God has already said is going to happen in his word. Amen? And you know what he says, and your heart is fixed on it, and you're fully convinced about it. Amen? Praise God. So, faith boldly pro proclaims in advance what God will do. Jesus never said, well, I hope so. Maybe so. We'll just wait and see what God will do. No. Don't take my word for it. We have a responsibility to search the word and find out what the will of God is. And unfortunately, many Christians base the will of God on their personal experience or somebody else's personal experience that they know about. But God's word is his will, not experience. Abraham became fully persuaded, fully convinced that what God said he was able to perform and he would perform it. That's what it says in Romans 4. He was fully persuaded that God would perform what he had said concerning Isaac. Um, hallelujah. So that's what it takes to make a faith declaration and decree something and it come to pass. Now it took Abraham a long time to get there. It took him 25 years to get to the point where he became fully convinced and fully persuaded that what God had promised him 25 years ago was going to happen. But it, he didn't have Mark 11:23. He didn't have the Bible. We've got the Bible. We've got it in our hands. We've got it on the telephone. We got it on the tablet, the computer, the laptop, the video, the DVD, whatever. We've got it. So it shouldn't take us 25 years. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established to thee. We're, we're not going to turn to all these, but let's look at a few examples in the Bible. You can write down Genesis 22, Abraham. We won't turn to all these places, but this is where one of Abraham's greatest demonstrations of faith happened when he took Isaac up to sacrifice him. God had given him instructions, and he followed them, and he f took Isaac up fully expecting to kill him. Uh, and he turned around to the servants that went with him. When they got to the location, he turned to the servants and he said, you wait here, we will be back. He didn't say, poor old me, I've got to go kill my son, I'll be back. No, he said, me and the boy will be back. Now, he you know, some people might say, well, he hadn't decided yet whether he was going to do it. No, he had already decided he was going to do it because in Hebrews 11, it says he counted uh, God able to raise him from the dead. So we know he had already decided to do it. And if God had to raise him from the dead, he'd just have to do it. But he said, me and the boy will be back. He did not hesitate. He did not waver. 
He didn't say, well, you never know what God will do. Faith boldly declares in advance what will happen. That's what Abraham did. We need to say this every time we get in the car and every time we get on an airplane. Amen? We will be back. Amen? We're taking off. We're going to the other side and we're going to land. Amen? We get in the car, we're going to Scotland or whatever, and we will come back to this spot safely. Amen? I do that every time I get in the car. I did it this morning. I said, I'm going to Guilford safely. I'm going to remain there safely, and I'm coming back to my doorstep this afternoon. Nothing missing, nothing broken. I say that every time I get in the car, every time I'm on the plane, I'm heading that plane takes off down that runway at Heathrow and I look out the window and I say I will be back to this spot. Amen? And when I, when I leave America I say I will be back to this spot for a visit. Amen? I'm come, I'll come back here and visit. And, and I say that I'm going, I'm departing, I'm arriving safely on the other side amen so start saying that when you get in the car or on an airplane hallelujah let's uh, write down first samuel 17 david and goliath first samuel 17 you know the story uh david got out there and he saw the situation where goliath uh this giant was intimidating the army of Israel. They were all scared and cowed down, hiding back in the ditches. And Goliath was insulting them. He was insulting God. And David got out there, and he was shocked to see this happening. And he started saying, you know, I, I, I can take him on. And he finally uh, convinced them to the point where they took him to Saul, who Saul is the one Goliath really wanted to fight. He didn't want to just fight anybody. He really wanted to fight Saul. But Saul wasn't even at the front line. He was way back at the tent. <laughs> he was back at the tent. He wasn't even preparing to fight. So David, they said, you know, how, how can you say this? You're a boy. He's a giant. He said, the Lord that... He said, when the lion and the bear came after my sheep, the Lord de delivered uh, the same Lord who delivered me from the hand of the bear and the paw of the lion. He will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. He didn't say he might. I sure hope so because if he doesn't, I'm stuffed. He never wavered. He never hesitated. He said... He will deliver me. Faith declares in advance what God's going to do. Faith knows in advance what God's going to do. He said to Goliath, I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds of the air. And all your buddies back there behind you, I'm going to feed all them to the, car to the birds of the air also. He was declaring in advance by faith what God was going to do. Now, Goliath also said some things to David. Goliath said to David, I'm going to feed your carcass 
to the birds of the air. And he was insulted that they sent a boy out here with a stick. He said, am I a dog? Did you send a boy out here with a stick? He's a boy. I'm a trained warrior from my youth. He was insulted. And so Goliath told David, I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds of the air. David told Goliath, I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds of the air. What's the difference? God was behind David. He was not behind Goliath. Amen? That's the difference. It, God was behind David's words. God wasn't behind Goliath's words. David had God behind him. And I don't care how many lawyers are against you, how many sinners are against you. I don't care what they threaten you with. I don't care how many lawyers they got how much money they got behind them. If they hadn't got God with them, there's no reason to fear what they're telling you. Amen. Amen? There's no reason to fear their words. They don't have God behind them. You got God behind you. Amen? Amen? That's the difference. Praise God. So David said, the Lord delivered me out of the hand of the lion and the bear, he will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. Amen? Praise God. He decreed a thing and it was established. How about Daniel 3? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. You know the King Nebuchadnezzar, he was a dictator of the known world at that time and he made this statue. I don't know if it was of himself. It could have been. But anyway, he made the statue and he decreed something that everybody in the land was going to bow down and worship this statue. So he called everybody, all the officials, everybody together to the Wembley Stadium, you know, big stadium, and everybody gathered. And he's going to he says, when the music starts playing, everybody's going to bow down and worship this image. Well, the music started playing, and everybody bowed down, except three men were still standing. And three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were still standing up. So somebody went and told on them and told the king, we got three men out here who refused to bow down. So he said, okay, I'll give you another chance. They played the music again. They still did not bow down. And Nebuchadnezzar was furious. And he said, I'm going to throw you into the fire. And they said, well, we're not so sure you can even throw us in the fire. But he's, threat he's making threats against them. He's, he's making threats of fear against them. What did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say? They said, King, we don't even have to discuss this. We don't even have to think about it. Our God is able and he will deliver us out of your hands. Faith declares in advance what God's going to do. It doesn't say, I hope so, I maybe so. If he doesn't, we're stuffed. No, faith declares in advance what God will do. They said, even if you don't throw us in, we're still not going to bow down to your stupid statue. You can't say, 
God will bring in the money, but if he doesn't. <coughs> no, you can't say, God will bring in the money, but if he doesn't. And that's not what was being said here. God will deliver us, but if he doesn't, that's not what they were saying. They were, say, they were saying, but even if you don't throw us in the fire, we're not going to worship your statue. They got in the king's face and they told him in advance what God would do. Did God do what they said? Yeah. yeah. God did what they said. Did God do what David said? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They decreed a thing and God established it. Faith boldly declares in advance what's going to happen. Hallelujah. It's based on what God has said. Our faith confessions are not for our glory and they're not just based on what we personally are going to do. It's who's behind us. Amen? It's based on what God has already said, what He's already done, and what He's going to do. So what we decree is based on what God has already said in His Word. Amen? Praise God. Can you... Decree boldly what God is going to do for you. Are you saying it? Are you doing it? Are you saying what's going to happen in your body? Are you saying my system will change? My body will turn around. I'm getting stronger. The money will come. The job will come. The business will come. Thou shalt decree a thing and it shall be established to thee. What about Joshua and Caleb? Numbers 14. They, you know, they, there's, all the men came back from surveying the land. And Joshua and Caleb said, The Lord will bring us into this land and give it to us. They were declaring in advance what God would do. They didn't say, We hope so. Maybe. Let's go and wait and see. No, they said, God will bring us into this land and he will give it to us. Hallelujah. Did it make any difference about the giants over there? Did it make any difference how big the giants were? Did it make any difference how many giants there were? Did it make any difference how, how high the walls of the city were? Then why did they go on and on and on talking about it when they got back? It didn't make any difference because God was not with the giants. Amen? God wasn't with the enemy. He was with Israel. And that's why Joshua and Caleb were trying to tell these people, God's with us. He's not with them. They will flee from us. And they could not be persuaded. They could not be persuaded. That's why they did not go in. Bible faith is bold to decree and declare what's going to happen in advance. And boldness is the result of knowing something and being sure. No I hope so's, no maybes. Hallelujah. You can't be bold one day and then wonder about it for a week. You have to say it and decree it. You have to say, no, this is what the Word says, this is how it's going to be, and no other way. Amen. <clears throat> Hallelujah. 
People say, well, you just never know. Well, the reason they don't know is because they don't know what God has already said about it. That's why they don't know. They don't know what God's already said about their situation. Or, like the Israelites, they knew what God said, they just didn't believe it. They knew what God said, they just didn't believe it. You can decree, no evil will befall me, neither shall any plague come near my dwelling. Amen? You can decree, a thousand may fall at my side here, and ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me. Amen? Hallelujah. We need to be bold and to decree some things. Hallelujah. I will never be in a terrorist attack. Amen? Hallelujah. Terrorism, disease, sickness, shortage, Alzheimer's, hurricanes. That won't happen to me. Amen? We need to start decreeing and declaring some things. You say, no, no, no. Amen? Let's say this out, out loud. I will not be killed in a car wreck. I will not be killed in a plane crash. I will not be killed in a storm. I will not be killed in the storm. I will not be killed in an accident. I will not be killed in an accident. I will live long and be satisfied. I will live long and be satisfied. I will run my whole race. I will be full and rich and satisfied. I will be full and rich and satisfied. I will go when I and God are ready. And not one minute sooner. Amen. Now what if you said that all your life and believed it? According to Jesus, the head of the church, what would happen? You would have what you say. Amen. Amen. Jesus didn't say all things are possible. He said all things are possible to him that believes. Amen. Hallelujah. Does this really mean all things or some things? So we can decree some big things for the glory of God. Now we're going to turn to one scripture here. Let's turn to Joshua 10. Joshua 10. Now this is a biggie. This is a biggie. This is a big, big faith decree, faith declaration. Amen? Chapter, uh, verse 12. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel. This is Joshua talking. Joshua said, Son, be still. A man spoke to the son and said, Son, be still. What happened? It obeyed him, didn't it? The son obeyed a man on this earth. 
A man spoke to the sun and commanded it to be still, and it obeyed him. That sounds a lot like Jesus in Mark 11:23, doesn't it? Now, the theologians on Facebook would go ballistic to, if, if this happened today, wouldn't it? They would have gone ballistic back then. How dare a worm of a man on this earth be so presumptive as to think he can tamper with the solar system? He did. He tampered with the solar, solar system and it obeyed him. The sun stayed in the same place for an entire day. Faith declares in advance what God will do. He decreed a thing and it was established. And they make fun of us for talking to our body and calling it healed or speaking to some money and commanding it to come to us. People make fun of us for that. This man spoke to the son and it obeyed him. What would people think about that today? Folks, we can do it. We already spoke to a hurricane. Amen? What's the difference? And this is a deal. We have far more authority than what Joshua had. Joshua didn't even know Mark 11, 23. We have far more authority. He had no authority over the devil. We have authority over the devil and all of his works. But he was a man on this earth, and he did have some level of authority, and he used it, and God backed his words. Amen? I'm telling you what. This is one of the most profound things we have studied, folks. I'm telling you. Joshua was not presuming anything. I mean, the faith rose up on the inside of him. He knew they had to have more daylight in order to defeat this army. And he spoke to the sun and it stood still for an entire day. And verse 14 says, And there was no day like that before or after that the Lord hearkened to the voice of a man. The Lord hearkened to the voice of a man. For the Lord fought for Israel. He declared a thing and it was established. In the heat of battle, when you are pressured on every side, that's not the time to fold up. That's the time to open your mouth, start speaking to the mountain, command it to be removed, and decree how this thing is going to turn out. Amen? Hallelujah. We've been too shy and timid and not bold enough. We, we need to get bolder. Amen? In the ministry of Jesus, it's the people that said something and did something in faith that got results. Hallelujah. How about the woman with the issue of blood? She decreed something. If I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. She, she declared in advance what was going to happen. She didn't say, well, I'm going down there and I'll wait and see. She declared in advance what was going to happen. Hallelujah. How about Jairus? He ran up to Jesus. He decreed something. 
You come and lay your hands on my daughter and she shall be healed and live. He didn't say come. I sure hope you can do something. No, he declared in advance what was going to happen, what he wanted Jesus to do, and what did Jesus do? Exactly what he told him. He said that he did exactly what Jairus said. He came and he healed his daughter and she lived. Jesus said, see, you know, speak to the mountain. Don't be moved. Believe what you say is coming to pass. Don't doubt it. Don't waver. It will come to pass. Amen? We can rule and reign in life with our words. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's stand up. <coughs> Hallelujah. And let's say this out loud. I'm a child of a faith God. I'm a faith person. I have faith. I live by faith. I walk by faith. I speak faith words. And those words come to pass in my life. I'm getting stronger spiritually, physically, financially. I'm becoming bolder. I'm getting closer to God. I'm getting full with His power. I'm increasing in revelation. I'm increasing in anointing. I'm increasing in the wisdom of God. I'm increasing in money. I will do the whole plan of God for my life. Nothing will hold me back. I will not be bound up with sickness and disease. I will not be held back by lack. I will do exploits. Amen. Hallelujah. Now what if you say that all the time and you believe it? And you just keep saying it and believing it. Jesus said it would happen in your life. Amen. Praise God. Could do with a copy of it. Just what you said. Okay. Okay. I can, I can get that to you. Yeah. Thank you. Praise God. When we I tell you what, I've learned a, this has been really really helpful to me. Amen. Praise God. I mean, folks, we have just touched the tip of the iceberg on what's available to us, you know? Praise God. When we cross the channel by ferry, I say we're going to the other side. Jesus said he was going to cross the channel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's a verse in Genesis about returning to the land. Um, it's in 28, Genesis 28, verse 15, I think. He says, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. Oh, that's good. Uh, Where's that? Genesis? Genesis 28. Oh, okay. Praise um, God. That's good. But I hadn't thought of actually saying that on the plane. We're coming back to this spot. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Oh, I usually touch the plane with the blood of Jesus as I step in. Yeah, yeah, just take authority over it, yeah. I mean, you notice that scripture when Jesus went to the other side, he said, and immediately 
immediately. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Yeah, in one one of them. Yeah, immediately. Yeah, I think there was more than one spot. They more than one place they went to the other side, and one of them says immediately. I think that was, I think that was the uh, one of the storms. One of the storms, wasn't it? Yeah. One of them where where were in the boat, and the disciples were panicking. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But Jesus already said he was going to the other. Yeah, side. yeah, he declared it in advance. Yeah, 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 he had already spoken in faith. What was going to happen? Amen. And this, see that the devil comes along with circumstances to try to convince you it isn't going to happen. He tried. He tried to. He brought the storm in there to make them think, "No, you're not going to the other side." When Jesus had already said, "We're going to the other side." Amen. Praise God. When I got that, verse, I was traveling from Nairobi to London some years ago about the Lord. And he gave me that verse before I left it, you know, in a mm. daily reading, bringing you back. It wasn't, I wasn't declaring it in those days. And um, we did, we had to come down, the plane was small, and we had to come down in Bahrain because there was some problem with a tire or something. And uh, even the pilot had to mend the tire because um, <laughs> and, and at that time, and then that word came back to me. I thought, oh gosh, I'm going back to Nairobi, so I must be going to 